Perfect. Hey, everyone. It's James and Shanif from DeFi's. How's, How's everyone doing today? Super, super excited about this one. We're actually uh, taking a step back today, not being as technical and going through you know, the out of the different areas of blockchain cryptocurrencies. We're actually just going to talk about our favorite project which is something that I'm sure, you know, Shanif will have to keep cutting me off about because I could talk for days about it. But, you know, first and foremost, as always, uh, please subscribe uh, to our, you know, newsletter. We're pumping out more blog content as well on top of the podcast, as well as we're available on Spotify and Apple. Hit the subscribe button, listen to the podcast and give us feedback, please. You know, we'd love to hear what is on your minds, what we could be talking about to better break down. Um, and really just any feedback that we could do to make this podcast better because that's the only way we can grow. But today, very exciting, very exciting topic. Uh, this is something that it does not take long for us to research because we do that every day as it relates to our favorite projects. But uh, definitely going to keep it less technical today. Um, but we're going to go through some of the newer coins that are coming to market, newer projects. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the Ethereums and Bitcoins of the world, a little bit about it, but, you know, more to come there. Um, but, you know, today, I know Shanif is itching to talk about, you know, two in particular, I think, but one in particular. But, you know, we'll, we'll see when we get there. But, you know, Shanif, I know one of the coins you've been following is Solana. Um, not as familiar with it personally, surprisingly. It just, I was all in on Polkadot and <laughs> I, I put on the blinders and blocked everything surprise, like that, which isn't always surprise. the best. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Miss out on a lot of things when you do that, but that's what happens when you have a lot of conviction in one thing and can't buy anything else. But Shanif, tell us about Solana. Why do you like it so much? Yeah. Happy to jump in. So uh, as James mentioned, we're going to talk about some of our favorite projects. And the first one I want to go into is Solana. Uh, so Solana is kind of part of uh, a group of coins I'm going to talk about today that are basically trying to build better, faster blockchains. Um, I'm still, as I mentioned earlier, as I told James, I'm still an Ether, Ether fanboy. But uh, I do find it really interesting that there's a couple of projects out there that are trying to do things uh, better and faster. Solana is one of them. So Solana, you can think of it as a blockchain that's designed to host uh, dApps, decentralized applications based on proof of stake and trying to basically be faster than Ethereum. And they do this in a couple of different ways. Um, the way they work, well, today they have validators. So they've got about a thousand nodes that validate um, transactions. And Ether today has about 70,000 nodes that are doing um, proof of work validation. So a little bit different, but it's exciting because um, they're really trying to basically figure out a lot of the issues with scaling. And if you guys listen to one of our most recent podcasts, scaling plays directly into fees. Uh, you've probably heard of Solana. It's been used pretty heavily in the world of NFTs in 2021. Again, mostly because when you use Ether, you're basically sometimes paying more for the NFT than you are um, you know, in gas fees than you are for the NFT. So why is it exciting? Uh, it's fast, it's scalable, being used in the world of NFTs. What are its risks? Uh, well, it's new and it's competing with a lot of other blockchains as you'll see in, a, in the next couple of coins I'm about to talk about. And you really don't know which ones of these coins are gonna take off, if all of them are gonna take off or if it's gonna be one winner take all. And so I'm excited, I own it, uh, I, I'm basically using it, um, but you never know what's gonna happen. So that is Solana in a nutshell. Uh, James, anything to add in terms of that one? No, just interesting. And I know we've talked about different blockchains, different use cases. You know, there doesn't, and everyone talks about Ethereum killers and there doesn't have to be, you know, an Ethereum killer or one blockchain to rule them all. 
you know, it's very possible that these are, you know, siloed ecosystems that have particular use cases. You know, it sounds like, you know, NFTs knock it out of the park on Solana. You know, one of the things about Ethereum is Ethereum is great for DeFi. You know, just it's, you know, sometimes you don't need the level of security that Ethereum has for everything that is done on the decentralized web. When it comes to money and investments, you best believe <laughs> that that security matters. But, you know, in cases like NFTs, like I, I feel like it comes down to uh, fees to a certain extent. You know, again, you brought up that example. I bought a, I bought a Tyson Fury uh, NFT for his most recent fight with Deontay Wilder, 0.03 Ethereum. Wasn't even thinking about the fees. I just hammered that buy button. I paid more in fees than I did for the NFT. And I was wondering why no one else was buying them. And I'm like, oh, because it, you lose money by buying it right off the bat because <laughs> there's 10,000. So yeah, good use case there. But, you know, one of the, the tokens that just really got on my radar um, and, you know, primarily I've, I was hearing about it from folks and Shanita is really, really into it. Um, and then, you know, ultimately saw some interesting press releases, which I'll let Shanif talk through if you'd like. But, you know, Avalanche has been a strong performer in the past year. Uh, and it, it has some real life use cases that, you know, have kind of differentiated itself from some of the other coins that are Ethereum killers like Solana, Cardano. Um, but Chief, you know, why do you like Avalanche so much? You know, I first learned about Avalanche when we were talking about scalability and fees in our last podcast. And I came across Avalanche, uh, the ticker, the symbol is AVAX for those of you who are interested. And I like it because it is similar to Solana in that it's a new sort of network that's trying to facilitate dApps, which I'm a big proponent of, and, um, and it's trying to be fast. Now, one of the things that makes Avalanche different than the others is one, it's capped. So it's capped at 720 million tokens. And interestingly enough, under the hood, it's composed of three blockchains. Each, each individual blockchain helps the, the entire network basically take on a different set of tasks which um, makes the whole network faster. It's also, I believe, I'm almost 100% almost sure it's proof of stake. And so um, another exciting thing about Avalanche is it, it has smart contracts that are compatible with the EVM, the Ethereum virtual machine. So Avalanche has all of these sort of benefits in terms of speed, in terms of blockchain capabilities. And uh, James, you could probably talk a little bit more about this, but it's starting to get real world partnerships, I believe with Deloitte. So the reason I think it's exciting, one, its price has obviously been really help, really kind of exciting for me. But two, I think it's it's like kind of it's primed to become a really fast, efficient blockchain if it takes off. And so that's why it's exciting. I think that it's got a good team behind it. Obviously, like Solana, it's got risks in that it's early, and you've got all of these blockchain projects that are competing essentially on the same thing, which is speed. And so um, I don't know, again, if Avalanche is going to take off or not. I have actually made it a pretty significant portion of my crypto portfolio. Uh, I like it a lot. I like what they're doing. I like the momentum they have. But again, it's one of those things where you don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, so that's a little bit about Avalanche. James, did you know much about the Deloitte partnership that they just recently signed? Uh, is there something you can add on there? Yeah, so it's, I came across, of course, you know, who do I send it to other than you? Because you're the, the one I know that holds it. Other, I do have a few friends that really like it. Apparently, um, it's pretty popular for NFTs as well. 
Um, I'm not as familiar with it, and I'm not even familiar with the three chain, uh, the three chain kind of blockchain. It sounds actually familiar to the way that Polkadot uh, is structured and how they process transactions in parallel to be able to do it faster. I don't know if that's kind of part, but ultimately EVM compatible is being important. But to the partnership, Deloitte um, went into a partnership, and I don't know exactly with who, but it's a disaster uh, relief funds platform. So one of the things about disaster relief funds is that historically they're very corrupt. They run inefficiently. Um, so it's to bring accountability to the process. Uh, but it's not as much about the exact use case. It's the fact that you have a big four accounting firm, you know, recommending Avalanche as the blockchain of choice. I know there has been some institutional adoption of other blockchains, pretty sure Algorand has a couple deals. Um, but it is that is pretty significant. And you know, one thing about accounting firms is they pretty much have a monopoly on you know being the big four, where you know, once you get a big four recommendation. Um, that's access to pretty much every one of their clients globally. And they're one of the biggest uh, accounting and consulting firms. So it's a big deal. Uh, and they do it a lot in finance, which I know in particular because um, they do a lot of finance consultancy, next-gen research. So um, very big there. Otherwise, uh, it's definitely something that I plan on buying on my next paycheck. I hope it doesn't go up in value too much until then, unless I will have to buy at a higher value. But it sounds like, based on what Shaniv said, something that can't be gone unowned in my portfolio. Um, so this is the, the next one. And I'm really excited about this one in particular, because I think that, you know, one, you're accessing the largest user base, in my opinion, of, you know, crypto. Um, but Blockstacks is, is something that's, you know, pretty big right now. Shneef, um, I'm actually really interested to learn more about this. You know, why do you like Blockstacks? Yeah. Blockstacks Black, is the the kind of the black sheep in the list of projects that I'm going to go over. It's a little bit different. I actually got into the Blockstacks ICO uh, a couple of years ago. I think they were the first token to actually get SEC approval. They're doing something interesting. So what they're, what they're trying to do is bring smart contracts uh, to the Bitcoin ecosystem. And on top of that, they're building a slew of different applications that essentially try to uh, decentralize the web. So there's a bunch going on in that statement. Let me break it down a little bit. Blockstacks is a sort of layer two application that lives on the blockchain network. So anytime, I'm sorry, on the Bitcoin network, anytime there's a new block that comes out from Bitcoin, there's a new block that comes out on Blockstacks. So they're super closely tied to Bitcoin. And what they're doing is they're basically providing this uh, layer of infrastructure that allows people to deploy sort of smart contracts on Bitcoin. Now it's, it's interesting, right? Like whenever you think of smart contracts, you're thinking about newer sort of um, newer sort of blockchains. Now on top of that, we've actually developed a slew of applications, I think 38 different apps that work with their blocks, the Blockstack network. They've developed like a web browser, I think. They've developed a couple of other applications. And what's interesting about these applications is you as the user own all of your data. So if you think about today, when you log on to Facebook or Twitter or whatever, your data is stored in a central server that's controlled by Facebook or Twitter. Now what happens with Blockstack is you have these things called a data locker. And these applications are required to write data to your data locker that you control with your ID. And if you wanna stop giving access to this data to, a, to an entity, you can do that. And then all of a sudden, this entity or this app can no longer access your data. So you can think about web browsers that are keeping everything super private. You can think about instant messages, chats, everything is now super private and controlled by you. This also opens up the opportunity for you to sell your data and start making money um, off of your data in the way that 
big big sort of network tech companies are making uh, money off your data today. So Blockstacks is a little weird. It's a little interesting. Um, you can argue maybe does Bitcoin need smart contracts given all of these other sort of applications that are coming out there. Um, I like Blockstacks because I think that they're going one step further. They've built a lot of the layer two infrastructure, but they're actually making use of it in the real world, which is not something I can say for a lot of the other uh, projects today. I also like it because um, one of the Folks, I really, I really, really respect in this industry. Fred Wilson has really just invested heavily in Blockstacks. He's all in on it, and he's one of their main investors. Um, now, it's it was a little bit bigger a couple of years ago. I'm not sure. I haven't heard too much from them recently, but I think that the team just continues to push forward and uh, and build this this infrastructure out. So there's a lot of opportunity for people to use their their built-in Stacks token to make these applications work and to power their network. Uh, now, what are its risks? Because it's anchored to the Bitcoin blockchain, it does run the risk of having maybe some of its core features, I don't know, preempted by uh, newer blockchains. It also runs the risk of if anything happens to Bitcoin, it's going to happen to Blockstack. So they're really kind of, it's a really interesting project. Um, so I'll pause here. Hopefully that makes sense, James. Is it, does that make sense? Any any other questions or oh, comments on any of that? It, it definitely makes sense. And I know the taproot upgrade that just went through on Bitcoin, you know, big part of that and, and something that folks were really excited about was the smart contract capabilities. I didn't look too much into it because I'm never going to put my Bitcoin in a smart contract because I tried never to sell it at, unless like there's something reason possible. Um, just try to sit it and I leave it in an interest bearing account. So I, instead of having to, you know, use a smart contract, I just get interest from Voyager on it, which is, you know, good enough, you know, making my money earn money, I yep. guess. Um, but to the point of Fred Wilson, I will look at anything that Fred Wilson is interested in. He has a very good beat and he likes privacy, which I do as well. Um, so that's probably, I imagine that's why he's very into that particular project. It sounds interesting. Um, if you're not subscribed to Fred Wilson's uh, daily newsletter, go and subscribe. Some amazing content from there. He actually started talking about box text like, I don't know, four or five years ago. He started talking about crypto way back when I didn't listen to him. I learned my lesson by not getting in early enough when, he's, when he basically was saying, get in now. So go subscribe to Fred Wilson, super smart guy. Definitely. And he uh, and they were a big investor in Flow, Flow blockchain, Top Shots, uh, which I'm pretty sure he was very much involved with. But you know, this is one that I was excited to talk about, mostly because I don't really like it that much. Um, but Cardano is very much, you know, in the news, people love it, has a cult-like following, but I've always, I look at the activity and, and, you know, the kind of timeline misses and, you know, someone said, I read something once where, you know, blockchain projects that are super in your face and trying to get people to buy and, and get that, you know, Wall Street bets type, you know, persona going, there's usually a reason why that's the case. And it's probably because they're tech isn't nearly as good as the other blockchains. And that the founder of Cardano is on record saying that he very much tries to copy Polkadot in some instances. So <laughs> I do want to put that out there. Don't respect that at all. But Shanif, Cardano, it's one of the ones on the list. I think it's more we're talking about it because people talk about it. What are your thoughts on yeah, that? That's, that's exactly right. We're going to talk about it because it has become one of the, I think one of the top 10. Um, I don't have a lot of strong feelings. I'm talking about it because I think you should be aware of it. I think everyone should know it exists. It's just another proof of stake blockchain, um, just like a lot of the others. Uh, it's capped at 31 billion tokens. 
And it's one of those things where I think it was one of the earlier proof of stake blockchains. And that's probably why there's a little bit of hype around it. It's got some of that first mover advantage. That being said, I find I find it much easier to understand what Avalanche and Solana are doing because their documentation was a lot easier to understand. They were much more forthcoming with how they work. And maybe it was just me, um, you know, not understanding what Cardano was all about. So, you know, again, like I said, with Solana and, uh, and Avalanche, it's a blockchain and it's competing on speed. And it's one of those things where when you're competing on the same thing as a bunch of other high priority projects, you're going to have to figure out what's it, what's it going to do? How's it going to differentiate? Now I still own, I own all three. I own Cardano, I own Avalanche and Solana um, and significantly lower portions than I have for Bitcoin and Ether. But I think that, I think that Cardano has a hard road ahead of it, given some of the newer blockchains that are coming out, given some of the layer zero stuff that I think Polkadot is working on, given some of the new technologies that are coming out. So keep an eye on it, but just be aware it's in the same category of, uh, of blockchains as some of the more exciting, in my opinion, uh, the more exciting projects. Uh, what do you think, James? Anything else to add there? Give a great approach, you know. It's I see getting exposure to kind of all the Ethereum killers. Where you know this term Ethereum killer gets thrown around. I guess it's more just the Web three names. Is that yeah. a better way to say it, or the the decentralized names? But I will say, out of like those three, Cardano is definitely the least exciting for me, in my opinion. Because to your point, it's been around for a while. You know, why is it not seeing the same type of hyper growth that you're seeing from like Solana and um, an avalanche and just like the developer activity, it's just not as exciting for a project that that's is pretty much that mature. Um, but I don't really have an opinion on it. I steered clear because, and, and part of it is to that point is like, once I kind of understood layer zero, it was hard for me to think of any other solution other than like maybe Ethereum that had a big install base, because then you're competing against layer, like or level zero or layer zero. You know, you, yeah. it's going to be harder to bring in a different type of blockchain at that point, because in my opinion, it just simplifies the whole process and makes it a lot more scalable, but clearly very much sold on it. I got to take that biasy out of it, but this is actually the next point. I will frankly say I have a position in this, not as versed on what it does, but I have, I trust people and I trust certain people. And when I, I hear something from multiple people that I know have a good beat on investing, I will take their advice in small portions until I'm able to do like my own due diligence before making a, a longer, a larger position. But Algorand is something that everyone, particularly in institutional finance, is really interested about. And you know, I've heard rumors that it's one of the only one, the only tokens that like big financial backers own other than Bitcoin. Um, don't really know the reasoning behind it, probably just hearsay, but it is kind of one of those things that is not a lot of information on it anywhere other than you see a couple of deals on their site where they're, they're really interesting deals. They're like government deals where I'm pretty sure one of them was issuing the, the a, you know, stable coin for a government to be used as their currency. But, you know, ultimately, you know, it sounds kind of like a uh, silent assassin, Nershneef, you know, I know you were doing some uh, due diligence on it, but you yeah. know, anything that you thought that was interesting? You know, I'll, I'll piggyback off what you said there. We're talking about Algorand. The symbol is ALGO for those of you who are interested. Um, they're another blockchain. They're another proof of stake blockchain. The, weird, the interesting thing about them, though, is they seem to have a lot of, at least their marketing docs make it seem like they're focusing a lot on finance and DeFi, which is obviously 
near and dear to our heart. Um, when you go on their website, they have a whole slew of use cases. Now, I don't know if any of those use cases are actually in, in being implemented today. I don't know if those are marketing docs. You know, their website is very sort of comprehensive. It's really thorough in terms of what they've got on there. But at the same time, I wasn't able to figure out where they're being used. So uh, heavy on the marketing, they do seem to have a lot of, um, they do have, have an influence in the world of finance and DeFi. But again, ultimately it comes down to proof of stake blockchain. And we're gonna have to wait and see, I think, how all of these play out. You know, James and I were talking before the show and we were saying that we think there might be a, a world where you have different blockchains for different use cases. And, you know, I, I bet you that's how it's gonna play out. You know, people talk, James mentioned, Ethereum killers. I hate that term because I'm an Ether fanboy, but I also think that you're going to have different sort of technologies evolve for different use cases, just like the rest of the world has always evolved to, to basically cover different use cases. And I think there might be a place for all of these proof of stake blockchains. But again, we're so early, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of my take on, on the coins I wanted to talk about today. They were mostly proof of stake blockchains, obviously with Blockstacks being the outlier. I'm gonna let James take it away now and start basically playing host. So James, I just bought this uh, coin today. You mentioned it on a couple of our other shows. Can you tell us a little bit about Eternal? And I think Eternal is also its symbol. Talk to, talk to us about what that is and maybe I can add a story on about how I bought it for the first time. So I will say one thing about Algorand. The Scaramucci said, it's that and Bitcoin is the future. And that, that's, that was who I remember seeing about it, but I digress. So Eternal is really interesting. So I got, when I, you know, after we really started to, to catch my eye and like blockchain adoption was uh, gaming, because that's where, you know, you're able to have a concrete use case that people understand already. You know, DeFi is still a tough use case to wrap your head around. You're used to doing business with a physical person at a bank for, you know, eternity. I think banking has been around for 40,000 years. Gaming, gaming has always been this area that one, it's always been those that are more technological savvy that, you know, want to, in a way, delve into it. And I saw the amount of money that was made on Axie Infinity. And if there's one Axie Infinity, it doesn't mean there's going to be one Axie Infinity because that's like saying, oh, there's only going to be... Um, what is it, you know, God of War, and that's it. No other video games ever again. Like, it's just never going to happen. There are going to be ecosystems, and just the way that they work is different. So I got really into the play-to-earn use case, um, and it's something that, you know, I started, I didn't land on it with Eternal. I started with uh, Zedron, which I bought a racehorse and was racing that on Polygon. I started playing Gods Unchained on Ethereum, um, but this was the one that you know, got me into Binance Smart Chain. So Eternal is built on Binance Smart Chain. It is a play to earn game um, that uses NFTs that you mint using Eternal. Um, you have to mint a worker um, or, sh or a ship and a ship based on the rarity, it's all probability based when you mint it, you can, it can hold a certain amount of workers. Um, so then you have to mint workers as well. Workers have levels of rarity and then the, the mining power that they have is based on their rarity. So ultimately the goal is to get ships that hold the most folks, get workers that are able to mine the most. And then what you do is you go on these expeditions every single day. Um, you can go on one per day um, per fleet that you have. So originally the game was only workers and ships, but it's evolved since then, um, which is nice. I've kind of watched it evolve at, in, from its nascent stages, but then you were able to create multiple fleets. It was originally capped at 10 ships. I'm actually looking back on it. I had to burn some of my ships that I like spent money on, which now is... <laughs> 
like $500 with the, what the token is today, just because I didn't have enough space left. And, but you create these fleets and then you play this game every single day. And the game is probability based. They use chain link. Um, all, most play to earn games like that are popular use chain link for their uh, verifiable, you know, random number generator. So it's pretty much like you have your fleet is mining power. There's a set of 30 planets. Each planet needs a specific base amount of mining power to be able to go to it, but it's still probability based and the probabilities go down each planet. So like, let's say planet 30, it's like a probability of less than 50% and, and you get uh, rewards. The thing that makes the game sustainable is everything from minting um, to gas for your fleet all the way down to the rewards are pegged to an Oracle that is looking at a USD dollar amount. So like you're always going to get $150, for example, if you go to one planet, but the value that you get in Eternal will change based on the price of Eternal. So in the beginning, I was getting paid out like four Eternals for going to a particular planet. That was when it was $50 per Eternal. Now Eternal is at $550 and I'm getting pennies on the dollar for each one of these things. But it also created the ability to add in more fleets. And one of the reasons why I love this game is because I can go to dapparator, which is a site that monitors decentralized applications, is looking at the smart contract activity, and you can get a real look at how many players are playing every single day. I've been watching this number for about a month now. It goes up mostly, you know, every 24 hours. It's been a couple of days that it hasn't. But if you look at the difference of daily active users in the past 24 hours versus the past seven days, there's not as big of a difference when you'll go to other games and it's about half. So why I really like crypto mines is they have loyal users that come in day in and day out to play because it's profitable. You can pretty much get an ROI in your investment very quickly um, just by the way the tokenomics are structured. Most of the funds are sitting in a reward pool and they added more into it recently as well. Um, so it's really fun because it's a game, but you're also making money. And in a way, if you think about how much $150 goes around the world, $150 is very much a living wage in many areas of the world. So there are probably, and I know there are folks, because it's a, I, I heard the developers are from Venezuela, which is a country that has seen hyperinflation. You think about it, 150 USD in Venezuela per day goes a very long way. And it's all probability based. So you're not always going to get that, but it's still money that you're getting from a smaller investment. So I love that game. Obviously, you know, there's, uh, a lot of risks associated with it. It's on Binance Smart Chain, um, which you know I'll touch on right after this. But you know the thing is, is needs users to continue going on. It needs to continue having. It needs to continue being sustainable because a lot of crypto games have uh, have burned out because the tokenomics weren't right and it eventually crashed to zero when there wasn't enough demand. Um, so I'm really excited about this one. Obviously, um, I play it. I actually have a decent position about it now. And also they allow you to stake it uh, on BuySwap, which is a, a decentralized exchange on Binance. So now I'm earning you know, 70 APR on it as well. So why not? That's what the fun thing about crypto, but it is on Binance margin. So this is one of the things that, you know, Shanif and I have a difference in. Shanif's Ethereum fanboy. I've been Ethereum, you know, since the beginning. I've always thought Ethereum was interesting. I never really started getting into using crypto until relatively recently when I started getting into like the actual metaverses themselves. Um, and when I started getting into games, it was, it was just not sustainable to play games on Ethereum. The only game that I play in Ethereum is built on a layer two, Immutable X, which is Gods Unchained. 
unless it's it, the, the fees are just outrageous. Because of the gas fees, right? Like it's just too much. It just, too think much about stuff. it. Like if, if I had to play, think about crypto mines, that same example. If I had to go, and because everything's a smart contract, the smart contract is pretty much saying random dice generator, my probability, what the dice roll, do I win or not? If you do that on Ethereum, having to do that every day, you'd be paying $150 a day to play a game, which is just like ridiculous yeah. to think about. Uh, I know Axie Affinity is built on Ethereum. I know they also are built on another blockchain, but there's obviously, scaling is always going to be an issue. And, and just, also- Oops, sorry to interrupt. Axie, Axie Infinity, is that the company or is that the game? Just to it's sure a game. I think Amika Labs is the ones who own it. They've raised okay. the, they've raised 816Z money. They got like a $220 million investment. Um, it's like it's it's a it's definitely a unicorn, but it's very big in uh, Southeast Asia, I'm pretty sure. Like they have a big following in Vietnam and the Philippines. There's actually really cool games coming out of Vietnam of Philippines, um, especially in the decentralized space. But uh, so yeah, and the thing about going back to Eternal uh, Crypto Mines Eternal, Crypto Mines has the same number of daily active users as Axie Infinity. Axie Infinity is at like a $14 billion market cap or something along those lines, considerably higher. And uh, Crypto Mines is well below that because it's looking at what's circulating. So that's even from then alone, Let's say we're creating a fundamental thesis for a, a technology game, like any other video game, really. You would argue that crypto mines, even at the appreciation it's seen, is very much undervalued versus Axie Infinity. It's really interesting. You mentioned this, I think, on our first podcast, actually. And so I yeah. <laughs> pat myself on the back there. I was uh, I was busy doing my thing and I kind of ignored e- Eternal, which was, I think, trading at 50 US at that time. Was it 50 or maybe a little bit more? I'm not sure. It was, it was probably, I remember I started playing it when it was at, I started playing when it was at $12 and I like going back in time, I wish I would have bought like a yeah. million of them. But, uh, but yeah, it was up like 50. I think someone said yeah. it's like probably 10X since there. And I, I truly just played because it was fun and it was profitable. So like, I saw myself as not really taking a big financial risk. And now, and now it is a big part of my investment portfolio just because <laughs> I decided to buy a lot one day, like just to see like what would happen. And, yep. uh, and now I'm just constantly on the hunt for the next one. Cause I just try You're to find the same it. token. Up. I yeah, just yeah. am still, no, it's still profitable. I just yeah. don't buy any more ships because like, it's just so labor intensive or just have Got to it. think about it. But people are going in there. I, I go on Reddit and people are like, what is the, the maximum number you should put in to maximize your profits? Like there's a community of people out there trying to help each other earn because you're not right. playing against each other. So everyone wants to like, no one cares yeah. to succeed. So it's interesting because now like that's one of the biggest stall bases versus like Axie Infinity. Like how, what, what more can they do over time? Like I know a lot of these games are trying to get into like metaverse type sh- uh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, see what goes on there. But, you know, this is kind of where it goes with Binance Smart Chain. And, you know, she's an Ethereum guy. But, you know, the thing about Ethereum is the fees are outrageous. So, you know, this, I didn't really know this, but Binance Smart Chain has a ridiculous amount of users versus um, Ethereum. It's it's like, I, I think more than double in some cases, to be honest. I'm, I'm trying to pull this up right now because I'm, I'm trying to look at DApp Radar and see what that actual differences because if you look at the top like let's say decentralized exchange um on binance so pancake swap has 606,850 users today and it does about 803 million in volume if you go to ethereum ethereum uh, biggest decentralized exchange is uniswap 
which has had 15 point or 15,410 users, but $2.6 billion in volume. So it's, you know, the, the size of the transactions, obviously much larger, which goes to the point if it's only profitable if you're making whale trades. But BSE, like if you're a general person, you know, if you're just an everyday average Joe like myself that doesn't feel like paying an arm and a leg to make a trade, it's a very viable solution. So, uh, so I got really into Binance Pan- uh, and like, the whole ecosystem. I even started doing some DeFi with PancakeSwap. You, you can stake uh, PancakeSwap. The, the yields are ridiculous, like 87% per year, but it's, it's, it's been going down. So I think that's kind of baked wow. into it. Um, because a lot of them, and that goes to the fundamental thesis of like, you know, these staking is really the tokens that pay you interest. The value of the token should be the value of the interest. Um, it's just like a discounted cash, like, you know, in a, in a efficient market, that's what it should be, but people speculate in DeFi. Um, but so I got really into it and the fees are just, uh, like they do exist, but it's like 12 cents versus $150. Um, and, but the only thing is Binance Smart Chain is, is like, is a BNB token, which is Binance, and a large percentage of the token is owned by the employees. So it is decentralized, but it's also not decentralized because of that aspect of it, but it's also deflationary. So they, they burn a, a lot of the tokens every single quarter. They want to burn about half the tokens um, within, you know, I think, 10 years or something like that. So they're burning like uh, millions a quarter, in some cases, billions, actually. Um, but it, I read this once. I haven't validated it, but if, I, if it is valid, it, it is kind of screwed up. But those tokens that are burned are coming from the supply. It's not coming from those that are held by the team. So in the future, like in a way, Binance could own 90% of the circulating supply, which is, that's not a decentralized exchange. That's, it, that might be the best wealth building activity of all time for them, but that is in no way decentralized. Um, but I will say fees are great, the game, but all the fun games are able, they're on Binance Smart Chain because you can't play a game on Ethereum. It's just not feasible. So for those, those of us who are kind of new to this, like I actually just interacted with the Binance Smart Chain for the first time this week. I bought Eternal stupidly four weeks after James first told me about it, but I'm in now. I'm in. So hopefully it keeps going up. But man, that was such a, it was a really unusual experience trying to buy this coin because I had to do a lot of stuff with MetaMask and PancakeSwap and do all these things. So James, maybe you can tell us what, what is BSC? What is the Binance Smart Chain? And what is BNB? Like those, for those of us who are new to this, like me, maybe you can take a step back and talk about what those are. So BNB token has been around for a while. It's like Binance's token, like kind of like uh, Voyager had a token or has a token, even though they bought it from someone, then FTX has a token or something along those lines. Uh, but then, you know, Ethereum, there was issues with Ethereum. Obviously the scaling was expensive. This wasn't new. Like this, people found this out probably back in the crypto kitty days in 2017 is when people realized Ethereum wasn't scalable. Um, and so Binance converted into a Binance smart chain, which is, I want to say there's like two blockchains or something like along those lines, uh, but it's proof of stake, uh, similar model. You're able to stake it. Yields are pretty strong. Um, but they went after that like market where they wanted to be that ecosystem like Ethereum. And this token went from like pennies to hundreds of dollars, like overnight. BSC. It was overdue. Yeah, there's like some ridiculous BSC whales. Like I, some some guy, or I don't know, guy, woman, he, she, they, uh, you know, not trying to put names on it, but someone, uh, a Binance whale, put $3.4 billion into Floki, the the smart, like the, the meme uh, token. Yeah. 
3.4 billion dollars it's just absurd it's like sometimes i wonder i want to say i think it's billion. um i hope that it's not for my own like sanity uh that would be but 3.6 3.6 million okay but still, okay. way too much should be put into a meme token. So clearly, these people have money, and they're you don't know the Dogecoiners. Yeah, they, <laughs> they don't they don't get money to burn. But but it's just more sustainable. So it is the games like the transact. There's transaction obviously for everything you do because everything's a smart contract. But it's it allows you to be sustainable and continue going. That's why the security is not nearly as good as Ethereum. There's a lot of instances of like, I guess it. I think it was bugs like the smart contracts for like actual yield or liquidity pools. Um, you know, ultimately there's always going to be projects that steals people's tokens, but, yeah. uh, I think it was more of like smart contract bugs and just like lack of security than like anything along those lines, like pretty much hackers gaining the system by just putting a lot of funds into one token or like putting uh, or trading in liquidity. I got to, this is a podcast in and of itself because I do, I should figure it out because I now do a lot with Binance Smart Chain, uh, but it's just, you're running into more issues on BSC than you would on Ethereum. And I, it's security is the major reason. Okay. So BSC is Binance Smart Chain. It's their network. What is BNB for those of us who are still new to this? Is that their coin? Is it separate coin? How does that work? So, so you take like, so BNB was originally just BNB. And now, so like there's the ERC20 standards for Ethereum. Um, there's BEP20 for Binance. So like to get it, you're able to, I don't, I think you just automatically send it from, you, you when you send it out of, so Binance coin, you can only buy in Binance. It's not really available on other exchanges or I haven't seen it on any other yet. So when you withdraw it to MetaMask, it says like send, you know, whatever type of token, is it a BEP20? Is it, you know, Binance Smart Chain? Binance Smart Chain is pretty much just, it. you technically have to swap it if it's in Trust Wallet, but it's just moving to the different token that is compatible on the actual Smart Chain. Cause it wasn't always a Smart Chain. I guess they upgraded it or something along those lines. Um, but so it's just, uh, and that's what you'll hear like BEP20 versus ERC20. BEP20 is just yeah. the Binance Smart Chain equivalent. But the thing about Binance too, is they have like all, you can get like Polkadot, like that's just pegged on hmm. Binance. They have a lot of pegged assets. Uh, Binance also has a bridge that allows you to swap tokens from different ecosystems. But of course, in good standards, it's not available to folks in the US. So <laughs> that's fun. where I tried to get a VPN because I thought about, because I wanted to see if I can get, uh, I had more money in Binance. I want to get into Ethereum without it being taxed. It's a really good point, though, because when I came across the words Binance Smart Chain, it had two coins, BNB and BSC. So for those of you who are out there, just make sure. It's BNB, yeah. It's make BNB. sure, because that is a big problem. Like, yeah, you, you could be buying some random yeah. coin, and like yeah. that definitely happens. But, uh, but okay. yeah, that's the experience. And, and that's why it's... For me, like I forget, like if you don't have a Binance account, because you can only get it on Binance. So like I would, you, I would always swap like Bitcoin into BNB or something, because it takes. If you do an ACH into Binance, it takes ten days for you to be able to withdraw those funds because it's outside the U.S. Yeah. So it, I remember like it took me weeks to get that money out because I was like, oh, let me put this this money in here to use it within the ecosystem. It took me forever to get it, and then I get impatient and I just sell things and I move it over. Um, but that's, so I'm really excited about that. And the, the area back to Shani's point of being different blockchains for different use cases, I'm pretty sold that I know a lot of people think Polygon will be the blockchain for gamers. And I know there's, uh, Harmony is another big one and then Thundercore, but I, I've been playing a lot of games on Binance Smart Chain. 
I, I don't really see myself going anywhere else. And that's probably just why I've gone on it, but definitely risks like anything else. Well, it is a deflationary token, which I like um, versus like it being inflationary, like a lot of the other tokens. But other than that, same risks, not as good security. Um, I was going to talk about Polkadot, but I'm going to skip that one because I've talked about that at length. But this is you know, part of the reason why, you know, Polkadot's a layer zero. So I've kind of skipped over. I'm not as interested about the layer one and layer twos anymore because I'm, I'm kind of all in on their on their idea because it makes sense. Um, but there's two tokens that are kind of new um, that are a little bit off the beaten path. One of them is IOTEX. And this is an internet of things blockchain. And the reason why I like, or I, I came across this. So how I found it is whenever there's a bloodbath day in crypto, I always go to my app and I see what is up today to see kind of, okay, like what are yeah. people buying when, you know, shit's hitting the fan. And this one was up a lot. And I went to the website and I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. They connect like security cameras, um, home security, and it's decentralized on the blockchain. And I was thinking like, wow, that's a real life use case. And I personally don't like the idea of, I know that, you know, after working with more technical folks that is not impossible to hack any camera. And I don't really, I don't like the idea of being watched. So I don't want to be watched from my own home. So that's why I don't have any cameras. I don't have a camera to look at my dog because I've heard that people are hacking them and I don't like that feeling. But this is a camera I could get behind to like look at my dogs while I'm gone because I know that data is decentralized. And I was, the website, it's backed by like industry consortiums as a CES badge. They have real clients, they have real products that are already selling and, and they have a lot of users already. And they say it's very fast in transactions. And you know, if you think about it, there's so many use cases for IoT things. You can put sensors on, um, you know, different types of, you know, climate, uh, you know, climate stability, like activities like or decarbonization and that technology. In theory, you could put some type of sensor on it. It can be feed into the blockchain and then you could sell carbon credits. Like there's so many different applications for it. And one of my friends, he does work in green energy. I was like, take a look at this because I know you're building turbines. Like this could be something I could help like actually transfer these carbon credits in like real time. And this is going to be a big market because a lot of the, the COP26, you know, whatever came out of that, uh, that summit is, you know, a big part of it is like, are we, you know, what changes are actually happening? Oh, we're going to like reduce methane emissions by 50%. A lot of it is going to be driven by, you know, I'm going to continue to pollute, but I'm going to plant a couple yeah. of trees to yeah. offset it. And it's going to create this huge market, which is already pretty big because that's how Tesla is making all the money for a long time is the carbon credits that they were selling is like there's going to be a market for carbon credits. You're going to have someone, you know, pumping carbon dioxide into the environment and then they're just buying credits from the person taking it out. And uh, so it, that's that's where I thought it was really interesting because like Internet, the Internet of Things has been a colossal letdown. You know, I can't think of how many times people are like, oh, it's the future. Yeah, like I'm so glad my air fryer connects to Wi-Fi. Like <laughs> yeah. I really needed that actually extra thing. And like I feel like like everything, <laughs> consumers usually get the first innovation because it takes a while for like enterprises to adopt new things. Um, because it's expensive. But like and they pump the IoT into the consumer like applications where I don't need everything in my life to be like coming after me. Like when transformers come and transform everything into little like animals and bots and coming to eat me. But it, it's game changing when it comes to, you know, tracking data across like farms. Um, there's so many different use cases that are really, really interesting. So 
I bought some. And I was like, whatever. I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll regret this. And uh, for those of you who, for, who didn't hear the name, it's IOTEX, I-O-T-E-X. Yeah, I think the, the ticker is IOTX, okay. um, which is good. Yeah, so that was one. And then the one I'm going to leave you all with is this is going to be go down as one of my most disappointing misses because I remember hearing it. I remember saying in my head, buy this right now. And then I got distracted at work and I found it on the weekend. But the Central Land, Mana, there's a bunch of different plays on this. There's Sandbox, uh, Sand. Um, the reason why I don't like Sandbox really quickly, actually, first, these are metaverse tokens. These are the, uh, the new, uh, you know, the whole Mark Zuckerberg type things where you're going into. And I will say, so metaverse means different things to different people. You know, in a way, Binance Smart Chain is a metaverse because it is a decentralized community. And that's one of the definitions of metaverse is Ethereum is a metaverse. When I say metaverse in this context, it is a virtual reality world where everyone is interacting uh, similar to you know, Ready Player One, which is Mark Zuckerberg's Bible apparently um, and makes everyone like read it when they join Oculus or something crazy like that. But it's built on Ethereum. Um, what makes the central land interesting is they there was a limited number of plots of land that were they sold years ago. These plots of land are now going for like an absurd amount of money. Like I try to buy one. Real, real plots of land, just to be clear, or within the metaverse? Oh, know, within the metaverse. Uh, no, not real plots of land. But they cost some, as much as a house. Wow. But uh, but then you own it. So it's like, I think I saw one for like 3000 uh mana which is the central lens token m-a-n-a and i think it's four dollars a token so it comes out to like 12 grand um and that's just for like bottom of the barrel but there then people are doing things like building museums and these stuff so one of the things uh people the or you know people the nft artists who sold the 70 million dollar thing to some crypto billionaire so what he's doing the guy who bought it is he's working with you know designers to build a virtual museum in the metaverse and he's going to display the people mm. nft and i don't know if you could charge people to come in i imagine so that's what's the point but uh so the thing is it opens up a brand new you know world and then gemini recently you know after and then the reason why i wanted to buy it is zuckerberg came out renamed facebook as meta he's going all in the metaverse knowing everything i do about facebook that sounds like a nightmare for someone who literally leaks data like no other. So I was like, okay, this is a really, I think this is the future because I'm what I like is not what everyone else likes. And I know that the world is just changing and folks do like interacting virtually. I remember we were on a call once and someone said they're having team meetings in like some video game. And I was like, that sounds ridiculous. Like I would never do that. But then I'm like, that's me. Like that doesn't mean other people wouldn't do it. And now, now that I've, be like, like an orc or something but uh but what happened is you know metaverse rebranded going all on the metaverse and i was like okay metaverse mana the central land this is a good play because you don't want facebook having control of all this data um so all that happened i didn't buy the day that i said like tripled in value in the next two days and then the reason i found i reminded myself is i got the notification the central land up 50 percent today and then oh. by the time i bought it it was up 150 percent but I digress. It's still done very well because ultimately it's people are building big positions because I looked at as well as Grayscale had opened its, uh, a Decentraland trust. So, which is weird because this is a, you say mean token in a way, it's a game, 
And then you have institutional investors buying it. So then Gemini, uh, the the Winklevi, as I like to call them, um, <laughs> who I'm sure you all know, historically had some uh, interesting conversation with Mark Zuckerberg. And there's a little bit of controversy about who started Facebook and <laughs> who has the rights to it. But of course, after Facebook rebrands as Meta, Gemini raises 400 million USD uh, in fundraising. I think it valued them like 8.1 billion Gemini. And, you know, the reason behind it is they wanted to build or get into the metaverse. They said, <laughs> they were like, do you want a centralized or decentralized metaverse is what they said is, you know, pretty much do you want an area that, you know, Facebook owns everything or an area that doesn't, the users own it. So they're not building their own metaverse. What they're doing is they're investing in building Gemini within these metaverses. So within Decentraland, Sandbox, whatever, I don't, whatever other ones exist out there. I take that as they're going to build Gemini broker, like exchanges where people can go in and actually trade in person. And in a way you have a boiler room sitting on like a plot of land in the metaverse. And, you know, the thing about it is I would a hundred percent go to that boiler room and trade with other people that want to do it. It, it sounds fun. Like, cause the market's always open. So it's not like, you know, nine to five, pop in at lunch hour, make a couple of trades, come back out. But the world's changing. And just because, you know, I think, don't think something is something I would do that often doesn't mean that that doesn't mean within, you know, think about every, every investment I try to take, I look at 10 years uh, or five years, at least five, 10 years. Now I used to trade a lot. I sold things way too early. I, I owned Ethereum at $250. Let's just throw that out there. I do not own it today. Very sad about that. Um, same thing with Roku, a lot of different things. It's, it helped me evolve. Is like, I buy things that if I don't look at it for five years, do I think this will still be around? I think the central end will 100% be around. The graphics are pretty sick, big community behind it. And it opens up new doors. Like they want to run businesses out of it. It's game changing. Um, so very, what you notice that Shaniva was very into like the DeFi use cases, the blockchain. Yeah. I'm, all about, I'm all about gaming and play to earn because you know, you can't get people into DeFi that have never, you know, kind of gone to blockchain because it's, it's going from here. I've never interacted with blockchain before to I'm going to trust a finance. I'm going to trust my money with a protocol software. No, you got to get comfortable with it, play a game or two, make some money off it, lose some money on it, lose some money. If you're having fun, it doesn't matter if you're losing money as long as it's not a lot. So I think that's going to, and this is my personal opinion. This is what I think I said when we started this is, you know, I think what is going to get blockchain into, you know, mass adoption isn't going to be DeFi. It's not going to be Bitcoin. It should be Bitcoin. But and maybe it will be Bitcoin. But Bitcoin is it's very under owned. If you think about, you know, the grand scheme of things, it's going to be play to earn games because how do you get like young people and they figure out they can make a buck on this thing. They're going to go in and be playing this video game religiously. And that's the thing. They're going to play it. They're going to interact and communities are driven. And it's just going to change the world that we know it. You think about DAOs, you know, Decentraland could change the need for H1B, like like uh, the yeah. visas. You just work with anyone anywhere. It doesn't yeah. matter anymore. There's no, and that's what I'm thinking. Like, why do people even come to the U.S. for those visas when you could just work for the companies, you know, overseas? It doesn't, no one is going to the office anymore. Like, I, like I'll go to the office twice a week, but I'm, I don't never want to go to the office five days a week. Ever again. It's just not, I'm not productive. I'm more productive at home. And I heard Portugal, for example, is no taxes on cryptocurrency trades because they treat it as a currency. I would like to move to Portugal. I should have done that this year, given everything I did. But I'm going to move to Puerto Rico. Maybe. No, no property taxes. Oh, 
Taxes are always a given. It's just a matter of where they get you. Um, yeah. But you heard it here, folks, MANA, M-A-N-A. So a lot of good coins uh, that we kind of went through today. Just to, I'll recap them really quickly so everyone knows. Uh, so you got Solana, SOL, Avalanche, AVAX, Blockstax, SCX, Cardano, ADA, Algorand, ALGO, Eternal, Eternal, uh, Binance Smart Chain, BNB, Polkadot, which we haven't talked too much on this show, but we've talked a lot about it before. You got DOT and Decentraland, you got Mana and then IOTX uh, for IOTX. So these are some early coins. Um, we don't really know what's going to happen, but we're excited about them. And we think that there's a lot of opportunity in this world. Like James said, the world is changing and we're talking a lot about coins and tokenomics, but we've talked about the future of work. We've talked about finance. We've talked about a lot of things. We'll continue to keep you guys up to date with what we see the world evolving into. And we're excited. Uh, so yeah, James, anything, anything else you want to say before we sign off? No, if anyone has any questions about these, definitely, especially the ones that fall under uh, you know, my interest. I'm very big into them. Um, always happy to talk about it. And if you ever get into Gods Unchained, I know Sharif is getting into it. I haven't challenged him yet because I want him to feel comfortable before I start putting down the hammer. I'm happy to play <laughs> Gods Unchained any given day. Big into games. I think that I, I really interested by Shanif. Um, it's just going to be fun. No, Who knows what's going to happen? All I know is that I bet you in somewhere or another, a lot of these projects are going to be successful. The one that yep. yeah. if I had a bet wouldn't be, I would say Cardano but that's just me. Um, <laughs> I really don't know why I don't like it. I'm, some people are going to be very upset. I think we might them. have some. We, didn't have, we don't have too many people call in or write us feedback, but we might have some this week. So we'll see. I will. I hope someone calls in. I will talk about it all day long, not knowing what I'm talking about because I don't even follow it, but I will just say I don't like it. <laughs> I, I literally, I've read something. It was, it was a VC. Like, you think about it, like it's a very interesting thing. It's like the projects you want to own are the ones you don't hear anything about that you can't find anything about because there's a reason why you can't find anything about it because it's not done yet. And like, once it's done, they'll like take up the marketing, but like when a project is not done and they're beefing up the marketing, that's when you're buying a sinking ship. And like, I think about, I'm like, what would I do if my project was failing? I was very worried about letting 31 billion token holders down. <laughs> I would pump that shit up, <laughs> but that's just me. Brave um, new world. Brave new world. Crazy, brave new world that we're in, but a lot of fun, a lot of new opportunities. And you can make money, real money, playing video games. Absolutely. And, uh, I well, can get paid to do that. We are, you know, I think we're in a, I think we're at the beginnings of a brave new world and, and a brand new future. So we'll keep you guys up to date. Um, make sure to subscribe, defised, D-E-F-I-S-E-D.com. We're also on Apple and Spotify. We've got a weekly blog post that comes in with uh, in addition to our podcast. If you guys want us to talk about anything, if you know what you're talking about and want to be on the podcast, hit us up and we will get you on. Otherwise, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. See you next week, all. See you all.